All right, Exodus chapter 1. Y'all found Exodus? If you haven't found Exodus, you need to get our uh, How to Study the Bible class. Second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 1. Are you there? Okay, if you find verse 15, we'll start there. 15 through verse 21. When you have it, say amen. Come on, guys. Exodus uh, chapter 1, verse 15 through 21. I'd like to read that all together, please. Okay, ready, read. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shifra, and the name of the other Puah. And he said, When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women, and see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God, and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and saved the male children alive? And the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are lively and give birth before the midwives come to them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and grew very mightily. And so it was, because the midwives feared God, that he provided households for them, households for them. Today I want to talk of the subject, simple subject, midwives and mothers. Midwives and mothers. Father, thank you today for the word of God that we're about to receive. I pray that, Father, you'd speak through me today, that you give me divine utterance, that I may speak your word, Father, that those things that even I've not thought of yet, give me divine unction, God, to flow in whatever actions you want me to flow in today. And I pray that, Father, your people would have hearing ears, seeing eyes, and receiving hearts, that the word of God may be planted on the good soil of our hearts and produce a hundredfold return in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. All right. Midwives and mothers. I heard something uh, this week that sort of startled me as it pertains to Mother's Day. I heard there's a growing trend among uh, young mothers that on special days like this, uh, they, you know, whereas mothers growing up, you know, mothers we knew, they were looked forward to on Mother's Day waking up to maybe breakfast in bed or uh, the children have, they've laid the house out or they've done something very special. They have some uh, very uh, special plans for them all day long. They're going to spend the day with their mom and the mom just enjoys it. She enjoys being pampered and, and having to do nothing, none of those regular tasks that she may, you know, despise doing uh, or may enjoy doing at other times, but she gets the day off. I'm not getting too many amens on that. She gets the day off from doing those regular things. But the, the, I've heard the trend today among young mothers is that uh, the young mothers say that on the day like this, and you find it be a lot of days, they're trying to actually be as far away from their children as they can. That they don't want their children doing anything for them. They don't want their children being around them. They want to go out, all the girls go out, hang out, do something uh, special just among the girls. And the mothers, the mothers don't want to be with their children on Mother's Day. Where it would seem that the, the, the highest day, the greatest day of honor would be the Mother's Day. And yet today, many mothers are saying, uh, no, because we're the TikTok generation and the, the, the Instagram generation. We'd rather go and do something off on, with ourselves than actually be with our children. 
And me, I can't imagine that. I'm a, I was born in 1971, 1971. I'm a 70s baby. And so I can't imagine that, but that's what I hear is going on among mothers today. But this is indicative of what's happening in the last days. Over in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3, in the King James Version, when Paul writes to his son of the faith, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2, he says that in the last days, men will be lovers of themselves, of their own selves. That men, this men meaning mankind, will be lovers of their own selves. So you can understand why some mothers would rather than spend the day with their children or with their loved ones who would love on them, who they could uh, in return grant them love, they become so into themselves that they want to be away from everybody. Then the Bible goes on in verse 3, in case you didn't, didn't, you didn't agree with that, verse 3 says, without natural affection. And we see that happening and present in today's society where, where we have people who don't have natural affection. In other words, there's a natural affection, that there's a natural um, uh, love, a natural tie, a natural connection that should exist between a parent and a child or a brother and a sister or a husband and a wife. There's a natural affection that should be there that nobody should have, to, should have to train you on. Nobody should have to teach you on. There's a natural affection. And we see this, it seems to be lost in today's society because we see where people are killing their own children. Even people who get so depressed and so overwhelmed by life that they commit uh, suicide, but before they commit suicide, they commit murder. And they call it murder-suicide. And it's very selfish because, hey, if okay, if you're done with your life, fine. If you don't want to have hope, you don't have peace, fine. Go ahead, watch yourself. But don't take other people out with you. But when we have a time now where people are, are lovers of themselves and without natural affection, people become so self-absorbed. Self, um, uh, uh, Thank you. So self-absorbed, so self-interested that they don't have the ability to express love that should be going out. See, real love, real love, you can't keep it to yourself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Hallelujah. There's a reason Brother Elijah had to come home with his mama. It's Mother's Day. He had to be home with mama on Mother's Day weekend. Hallelujah. Good to see you, sir. Hallelujah. Because we're supposed to be loving each other. But I want to deal with something here because when you become so focused on yourself, you lose sight of divine purpose. Everybody say divine purpose. And divine purpose is not only to manifest God's will for our lives. Watch this. Not only is our purpose to manifest God's will for our own lives, but our purpose is also to help others manifest God's will, come on, for their lives. Which means, watch this, watch this, guys. You got to hang on, just hang with me today, guys. Sometimes you're a mother, and other times you're a midwife. Sometimes, guys, just hang with me. I, I'm, I'm going to cover you today. Sometimes you're the mother, the one bringing forth, but other times you're the midwife. You're the one helping somebody else bring forth their purpose, 
bring forth their manifestation. And I have news for you, we are called to be both. Notice I said we are called, we including me, we are called to be both. Men, just, help, just, just hang on men. And even as men, we are called to operate as mothers. I ain't now, I'm going to help y'all. Some of y'all woke people, I don't want you to get mixed up. I'm not talking about you becoming, becoming feminine and having babies and even pretending to have babies and, and pretending to breastfeed. Ain't going to be none of that up here. We all men up here, right? That was, that was weak. I said we all men. I'm, I'm talking to the men. I'm talking to the men. Lord, bring back manly men. Bring back manly men in America. Well, you, you know who the men actually are. But I'm talking about, I'm not, I'm not talking about your flesh. I'm talking about your spirit. In fact, today God's spirit is speaking to your spirit. So even men, if you can listen to me today, not by your ear, but by your spirit. Because if you'll get this, you'll understand that God has called you also as men to bring forth, just like he's called women to bring forth, something miraculous, something powerful in his life, and yet he's also called us to help others bring forth. Are y'all hearing this today? So men, you got to ignore the gender specifics today. You got it? In Genesis chapter 9 and verse 7, God said to Noah, who's a man. He said, as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Are y'all with me, media? I'm in, I'm in Genesis 9 verse 7. And as for you, be fruitful and multiply. Bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So God's telling the man, Noah, to bring forth. Are y'all hearing this? So all of us, I'm hearing some echo or something. All of us are created to create. All of us are called to produce. All of us are called to bring forth. But we're also called to help others bring forth. Y'all hear this? Why, why is it that we're called to help others bring forth? Because bringing forth can be painful. If you understand your Bible, no Bible history in Genesis chapter 3 when God, uh, when after Adam and Eve had sinned and God spoke to Eve in Genesis 3 and 16, God said to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. He said, in pain, you shall bring forth. So notice that bringing forth can be painful. Now I'm sure every mother in here, if you've gone through that experience, you, know, you understand. You don't need anybody to validate that for you. You know it. But I'm talking about God told even Noah to bring forth. So bringing forth, whether you're bringing forth a natural baby or bringing forth a spiritual vision or a dream, bringing forth can be painful. Bringing forth can bring trial. Bringing forth can bring tribulation. Bringing forth can bring sorrow and labor. And that's why we need somebody to help us come along and bring forth. Do I need to change mics? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for that new sound system. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So bringing forth can be painful. It can be difficult.
difficult. It can be trying. And so you need someone to come along and help you bring forth that which God has put on the inside of you. Are you hearing me today? So that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you will be mothers and other times you will be midwives. But we're all called, all called to be both. In the book of Exodus chapter 1, we see the history of Israel here. After they've made it there into Egypt. You remember the story that Joseph was sold as a slave into Egypt, but God raised him up, up there in Egypt, and eventually a famine hit the land, and, and God had Jacob and all the sons, all the family come down to Egypt to be provided for there in Egypt. But Jacob died, and eventually Joseph died. Eventually all his brothers and all, their, their, all that generation died. And then now you have Israelites who are there in Egypt. They're not slaves there. They didn't start out as slaves in Egypt. They started there as citizens living there in a special place called Goshen. A blessed area called Goshen. And not only was it a blessed area, but they were blessed people. The blessing was on them. I said the blessing was on them. So much so that they begin to increase and multiply and they begin to produce. Because the blessing will cause you to produce. And as they produced, the new Pharaoh rose up who did not know Joseph, who didn't know anything about Jacob, who didn't, didn't know anything, anything about the covenant of God. That Pharaoh rose up and that Pharaoh became threatened by how much they produced. You got to catch this in the spirit here. That the enemy is threatened by your ability to produce. Oh, somebody say, I'm a producer, I'm a producer. It doesn't matter if you produce nothing yet. You are still called and equipped by God to be a producer. Hallelujah. In other words, there's so much on the inside of you that if you will step over into your purpose, there's so much inside of you that if you will step over into that blessing and let that blessing work on your life, you'll begin to produce more and more and more. But I got to warn you, the more you produce, the more the enemy is threatened by you. Oh, there's nobody, y'all ain't going to say anything. All y'all, they, they sleep on this side. I'm going to stay on this side over here. The, the, the more you produce, and you, you, I know you say the devil, but some of you, you've run into devilettes in your job, devilettes in your family, devilettes in your community, devilettes in your neighborhood. They're, they're threatened by how much you're producing. And they'll start talking down about you, start talking down to you, not because, not because, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right and they can't figure out how you're doing what you're doing, how you're producing more than they're producing. And so this Pharaoh became extremely threatened by how the children of Israel were producing. In fact, he said there in, in the text, uh, in the text before the text that we read, he said, listen, we better do something about this because the day may come where, where an enemy comes against us at war. And if we're not careful, these Israelites will join our enemy and they will defeat us. So we better, we, better, we better do something about this. We, we, what we're going to do is we're going to begin to uh, put some, some hard labor on them. We're going to begin to give them some difficulty. We're going to begin to make their lives a little more difficult. We're going to begin to put some strain on them. If you remember the story, these Hebrews, what they, were, what they had been doing, what they were, they were given the task to do on, with the previous Pharaoh was to raise all the cattle. They were herders. They were masters at herding. 
But all of a sudden now, this Pharaoh takes herders and makes them mason workers. Changed their whole purpose, changed their whole assignment, changed them, had them doing something that was not in their wheelhouse, had them doing something that was not in their, in their, in their normal activity because he's trying to make things hard for them. But the Bible says the more that they afflicted them, the more they grew, which means that even though the devil tried to make it hard, they kept producing. And I don't care how hard the devil makes it on your life, if you'll stay in the blessing, he can't stop you from producing. So stop complaining and keep producing. Oh, y'all ain't sending. Stop crying and keep producing. That side is so quiet today. Stop complaining and just keep producing. But I must warn you, the more you produce, the more he's going to afflict you. And he came along and said, we got to make it even harder on them. So let's, let's assign taskmasters over them. Not only let, let them build, but, but put taskmasters over them. Who's going to make it real hard on them? to produce. Now what he's trying to do is because remember what his threat is not about them uh, building or not building. His threat is about them producing. So so the, 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 the difficulty, the trouble comes along to slow down their ability to produce. Y'all, y'all not, you're not getting it. The, the difficulty is to slow down their ability to manifest good things. Y'all better catch this. The reason the devil is bringing tribulation against you is because he's threatened by your ability to produce. Because he knows that a righteous person, whatever you produce, is going to be a threat to his kingdom. Anything you produce is going to destroy his kingdom. Anything you produce is going is to annihilate his purpose. And he's threatened by your ability to produce. So he brings things and tries to make things harder and harder and squeeze you tighter and tighter and make things more narrow and more straight in your life to try to slow down your production. And he keeps on going, and he keeps on going, but they keep on producing, and they keep on producing. And finally, the Bible says this king of Egypt, Pharaoh, he comes along, and he begins, you know, he's getting wisdom from the devil, because <laughs> the devil hates God's people. The, the, the devil has been after these same people from since Genesis 3.15. From Genesis 3.15, the devil has had it out for these people because God told him back in Genesis 3.15 that, 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 that this woman's seed was going to crush your head. And the devil's following that seed line. Y'all, y'all miss it. The devil's following that seed line all the way from Abraham. That's why Sarah had such a hard time having children because the devil's trying to stop that seed from coming forth. Even after Abraham and Sarah, oh man, this is good. It is coming right now. Even after Abraham and Sarah had Isaac, even Isaac and Rebecca had trouble having children because the devil's following that seed line. He's trying to stop that seed. He's trying to stop Genesis 3.15. And then Jacob has Wives, and yet Jacob, his wife that he loved, Rachel, she struggled to have children, struggled to produce because the devil's trying to stop that seed. 
and the sea begins to grow and now he's overwhelmed because those people there in Egypt and they're flourishing, they're abounding, they're producing more than he can handle. And so the devil starts giving this Pharaoh instruction on how to stop them. Go to Exodus in chapter 1, verse 15. Are you with me yet? It says, then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives. So watch what he does. He, he's first been working from the outside, trying to bring oppression upon them. But now he gets the idea, he realized that the oppression is not stopping them. That the more that they oppressed them, the more they grew. So he realizes if I'm going to stop this production, I've got to kill the production centers. <laughs> so now he, he tries to cut a deal with some folk who are on the inside. Uh, Y'all missed that. The, the, devil, the devil always makes, tries to make deals with folk who are on the inside to destroy their own people. If I could go back in history, that's why I give you, I could give you information about Margaret Sanger. Margaret Sanger, who's the founder of Planned Parenthood, who's the, behind the agenda of, of abortion in the black community. Her whole, her whole agenda, ladies and gentlemen, was to destroy the Negroes from America. That was her whole agenda, to destroy Negroes from America. And what she did was she cut deals with Negroes. Y'all don't want to hear it. She went into the church and cut deals with Negro preachers to get Negro preachers to endorse her agenda to destroy Negro babies. Because a devil always tries to, tries to find somebody on the inside, he can cut a deal with the stop because he realizes he can't stop him from the outside. <laughs> That's why folk, everybody's rattling around behind Hillary Clinton. She was a, she was a Margaret Sanger. <laughs> y'all y'all got quiet. Y'all hear it. And everybody want to vote for that, but their whole agenda is to destroy you, <laughs> to cut you off. <laughs> so this Pharaoh went to the Hebrew midwives. If you're going to deal with Hebrew people, he's got to get to the ones who are responsible for helping people produce. That's what, that's what, oh man, this Lord help me at home. That's what the devil, that's why you, that's why the devil always send folk into the church around, around election time. He always sends his little agents in the church around election time to come and I just want to talk to y'all about these elections. We're going to get souls to the polls. We're going to get all y'all out of the vote because the devil knows the preachers are the ones who are the main midwives who give the responsibility to help God's people to produce. But if I can cut deals with the preachers and get preachers to stop helping the people produce, the people will always be beholden to us. Y'all don't like it, but I don't, I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care. I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care. It, it's, it's, a, it's a demonic agenda that's after the seed. 
to destroy people. So he talked to the Hebrew midwives. The Bible says of whom the name of one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua. Pua. Now that name Shifra, I just want to talk about them for a moment. Shifra, her name means fair, brightness, beauty. So Shifra was a beautiful woman. Hallelujah. Pua, whose name means splendid, glitter, brilliancy. She's a beautiful woman. Now you would think Shifra and Pua, two beautiful, dazzling, I mean gorgeous women, that certainly by now, they'd have their own families. We know that they fear God. We see it in the text later on. They're God-fearing women. Beautiful on the outside. Beautiful on the inside. We know they're compassionate by their vocation. And yet, they don't have their own children. Yet, they've not produced their own. But they've devoted their lives in spite of that fact to helping somebody else bring forth what God put on the inside of them. I don't know I'm talking to today. I don't know. <laughs> We're talking today about midwives and mothers. Midwives and mothers. These women, they sought to help other people bring forth. Now watch this. Watch this. Verse 15. The, one, the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives of whom the name of one was Shifra and the name of the other Pua, verse 16. And he said, he said, when you do the duties of a midwife. So the Pharaoh knows the duties of a midwife. I'll come back to that. When you do the midwife, duties of a midwife for the Hebrew, for the Hebrew who? Women. So who have babies now? Make, make, make sure you tell children, women have babies. We, we got a woke America and we got a woke church today trying to tell people that men can have babies. I have news for you. I don't care how much lipstick you put on, how much long hair you put on. I don't care if you can sew breasts on your chest. You cannot have a baby, my brother. Women have babies. I wish I had a little more help on this side. Women have babies. When you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stools, notice what Pharaoh says here. Check this out, fellas. If it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, then she shall. Now, I, 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 I got one more question for the woke folk watching online. Without DNA tests, how are they going to determine whether it's a son? Or daughter. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, uh, if it's a son, kill him. If it's a daughter, save her alive. Now, I, I, they don't have DNA testing. They, they don't have any way to check the blood. They don't have any way to check X and Y chromosomes. They don't have any way. I, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. 
how in the world are they going to figure out if it's a son? I'm scratching my head. Somebody help me on this side. How, how do you know? I don't know. I'm stupid. I, how do you know if it's a son or a daughter? That must meant, mean, Dwight, that there must have been some kind of visual indicator that would tell Shifra and Pua whether that was a homeboy or a homegirl. And for the folk in America and in the church today who can't figure out, they don't know how to define a woman or define a man or say you can, you don't have to be bound to any, any particular I don't need to cut you open to find out what you are. God gave a natural indicator that will reveal everything I need to know. On the birthing stool. I ain't got to wait till you hit kindergarten and figure out kind of what you want to be. I don't got to wait till you hit high school and get around some bad folk and they tell you maybe, you know, you kind of, you kind of walk a little different. Maybe maybe you are just, you know, you get to high school and because you, you play with trucks, you, you must be a boy. You're not really a girl. No, no, there's something on the birthing stool that tells me right off the bat that you must be either a son or a daughter. I remember, remember when almost 17 years ago, actually a little, a little more than 17 years ago now at this point, when my wife, we found out my wife was pregnant with our last child. And uh, mom came and said, y'all do know how, know how this happens, right? <laughs> of course, we got experience at this. We know how it happens. We, we practice all the time, so we just... We know how this happens, and uh, and uh, sorry, mom. Sorry, mom. We practice all the time. <laughs> and uh, have mercy, Jesus. Have mercy, Jesus. Come on now. Come on. I'm talking to married couples. Married couples. Have mercy, Jesus. Have mercy, Jesus. And. Um, we, we, we went to the doctor. This is eventually, you know, somewhere near the, you know, second trimester, third trimester, whatever it was. And, you know, they do the sonograms. And, and we were, our doctor was Dr. Raul Montenegro. Raul Montenegro. And a wonderful doctor. And um, he, he knew we had had all girls. We had three girls already. And he was like, he said, Are you guys still believing for a boy? And, uh, see, si, senor, see. Si. Oh, I love Dr. Montenegro. He's my, he's my favorite doctor. Dr. Raul Montenegro. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Montenegro, is that Black Mountain? Is that what that means? Yeah, see? Yeah. I, know my, I know my Espanol. <laughs> Hallelujah. Raul Montenegro. And he's looking at his sonogram. He said, you believe for the, you, you want a boy? And we said, sure, yes, we believe in God for a boy. Hopefully he's a boy. We'll take whatever God has, but, you know, a boy would be great. He said, you got it. This is on the sonogram. No, 
y'all, 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 y'all. Somebody still ain't catching it. This on the sonogram. There's no DNA testing. There's no. There's no. Let him be born five five years and see if he like blue or pink. No, this is this is in the sonogram. He said, "You want a boy? You got it." And my butt go. How? How you know? Look. It's right there. Hallelujah. So there's some way to know Jesus. He says when you do the duty of a midwife and you see them on the birth stools, if it is a son, kill him. If it's a daughter, she shall live. Now, let, let me just help you real quick before I, before I, I, I round to my clothes. I'm going to close early. I'm going to close early. Is a midwife, that word in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word yalad. Yalad. Which means, <laughs> there's my son. I'll just, I'm going to just tell you. I'm going to just tell you. That's, that's my son. He's all boy. And, and I, I made sure when my son, when he was growing up, if he did anything that remotely looked like. See, I know some of y'all are all passive with your sons. But I, if my son did anything that remotely looked like what a girl does, I popped him. See, some of y'all want to be all cute with your son, and especially single mamas. Some of y'all single mamas you like to raise these little soft little boys. You're either gonna make make him your 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 girlfriend or your husband. He ain't either one. Your son is not your girlfriend, nor is he your husband. He ain't your man. And don't make him your look your look your little boy toy. He he's he's he needs he's a boy. And if you see any little thing that tended no pop, uh-uh, we don't do that. Hold that hand right. You don't break that down. Pastor, you meddling. That's right. That's right. You doggone skip y'all meddling. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Now, now he, he, can, he can wear pink and it don't phase him. Because he knows on the inside I'm a man. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. A, a mid, what of a, a midwife? Midwife in the Hebrew is the Hebrew word yalad. Listen to this. It means to bear. It means to bring forth. It means to beget. It means to gender, to, to travail. Notice it means to cause or help to bring forth, to assist or tend as a midwife. Now, I'm, again, I'm, I'm saying this because I got to help the men here. Because the, the word midwife in the dictionary, in the dictionary is, is a person who assists women in childbirth. One that helps to produce or bring forth something. Not, not, it doesn't say a woman who does it. It says one or a person. I, I, remember, I remember early on, 
Glory to God. How, how it used to be sort of awkward for me, uh, Brother Matthew, if I was if I was at a hospital or doctor's office and and they said the nurse is coming and it was a guy. It used to be very awkward <laughs> if if they said the nurse was coming and it and it turned out it was a guy because I was not used to uh, men being nurses. But I learned that nurse does not mean woman. Nurse just means a one who aids. It's, it's just an. So I, I finally became okay with men being nurses, and I understand. I think, I think men, if, you, if you're not going to go all the way to medical school and become a doctor, uh, become a nurse, be, become an RN, be, whatever. Be, be, it's okay to be a male nurse. So then even a midwife is not necessarily a woman. It's a person who assists, a one who helps to produce or bring forth something. Are y'all with me on this here? Midwives are there. He said when you do the duties of a midwife. So there are duties of a midwife. Midwives are there to assist you in bringing forth and part of their job is to encourage or push you in the trial. Oh boy. Their, their job is to encourage or strengthen you or comfort you while you're in your labor. Because bringing forth is painful. See, I don't know about who I'm talking to in this place today. You see, if you've never, never manifested anything great in the kingdom, then you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you've ever had to bring forth, if you ever had to birth a vision, a birth a dream, a birth a ministry, then you understand it is hard. It is difficult. There are trials and tribulations and, and pushback from the enemy. And every once in a while, you need somebody to come alongside and help you and push you and encourage you when you're ready to quit, when you're ready to give up, when you're sweating, pouring down and saying, I can't do this. I can't bring forth. And they got to say, you can make it, son. You can make it, brother. You can make Make it, sister. You can bring forth that dream. You can bring forth that vision. You can bring forth that manifestation. You can bring forth that miracle. You can get that house. You can have that car. You can launch that business. You can go back to school. You can do what God gave you to do. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. You can do it. And you need somebody. Everybody say, I need somebody. Sometimes. See, if bringing forth was, was easy, you wouldn't need midwives. I've heard stories of women who they, you know, some, some women in, in, here in America and other places who they've had so many children that by the time they, they on nine or ten, they just pop them out and keep on going. Pop, pop. Oops, I think my water broke. There's a the baby, praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But, but if you've not had much experience in bringing forth, you might have to go through 20 hours of labor. If you've never brought forth, you might have to go through a day and a half of labor trying to be enlarged enough to bring forth something on the inside of you. And you need somebody to come alongside and wipe your forehead. Cool you down. Bring you some ice. Bring you something, some water. Bring you just some encouragement to say, hey, it won't be long now. I'm not talking to anybody. Can I find three people here? I'll preach this. If, can I just, can I, I, I just, listen, you, it's, you're almost there. It, it, won't, it won't be long now. I, the, the, your, your baby 
is starting, your baby is pressing in, your, 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 your baby is starting to crown, you're, you're almost there, it won't be long now, baby, once your water broke, it's, it's just a countdown now, and it's not going to be long, it, it, you've been through nine months, but it's almost done, it's almost over, and, and, I, and you don't need a midwife during the whole nine months, you don't need a midwife when it's time to bring forth. The midwife wasn't there when you conceived, but the midwife is there when you're going to bring forth. You might have conceived in your secret place. You might have conceived in your prayer time, in your fasting time, in a prophetic meeting, but you're going to need a midwife there to help you when it's time to bring that ministry forth, to bring that vision forth, to bring that vision forth, to launch that business. Somebody say, hey, you can do this. You can make it. You can bring forth. You can produce. The Bible, Paul, Paul said this, Paul, Paul said this, 2 Corinthians 1 2 Corinthians 1 Paul says, we don't have dominion over your faith, but we are fellow workers or helpers of your joy, for by faith you stand. So Paul says, we're not here, we, 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 can't, we, can't, we can't dominate your faith and make you produce, but we can help your joy. Because if we can help your joy, then your faith will keep working. So sometimes you need somebody to come along when you're going through. Somebody to come along. Listen, the closer you get, the more painful it gets. Tap your neighbor and say, tell me you must be real close. You, you must be real close. I said the closer you get, the more painful it gets. I better stay on this side. The closer you get, the more painful it gets. The more difficulty that you're going to experience. Because you're close. Tell your neighbor, you're real close. You're real close. You're real close. And I may not be able to help your faith, but I can help your joy. And if I help your joy, I can help your faith. So I got to help you keep your joy up. Well, how am I going to keep your joy up? What I'm going to do this. Sometimes when you have a hard time praising, I'm going to praise God for you. I said sometimes when you have a hard time praising because the pain, anybody know what I'm talking about? That sometimes the pain has been so difficult. Sometimes the struggle has been so difficult. Sometimes the adversity has been so strong that you couldn't hardly eat out of praise. You couldn't hardly lift your hands. You couldn't hardly run and dance. But somebody said, I got you this time. I'm going to praise God for you. I'm going to help you praise. I dare you to find somebody next to you and tell them, I know you're going through, but I'm going to praise God for you. You may not have the energy, you may not have the strength, you may not have the stamina right now to praise God, but I'm going to praise God for you. I'm going to help you push. I'm going to help you push. I'm going to help you push. I'm going to help you get this baby. I'm going to help you get this dream. I'm going to help you get this business. Come on, I dare you to take 30 seconds and just praise God for your neighbor. Praise God for your neighbor's blessing. Praise God for your neighbor's breakthrough. Praise God for your neighbor's manifestation. Praise God for your neighbor's miracle. Praise God for your neighbor's turnaround. Praise God for your neighbor's healing. Praise God for your neighbor's deliverance. Praise God for your, your neighbor's success. Your neighbor's business. Your neighbor's children. Your neighbor's marriage. Your neighbor's new house. Your neighbor's new car. Your neighbor's new husband. Your neighbor's new wife. Your neighbor, come.
praising God for you. But when it's my time, I might need you to praise God for me. So right now, I'm going to sow a seed of praise. I'm going to sow a seed of praise into your life. So I can reap my harvest when it's my time. I realize it may not be my time right now, but my time is coming because the same God who blessed you is the same God who blessed me. The same God who raised you up is the same. Come on and give God a praise in this place today. Few more minutes. That's what that's what midwives. Midwives have to help push. The, the midwife can't do the pushing, they do the encouraging. You still got to use your own faith, but I'm gonna let you use some of my joy. I'm gonna encourage you. Because the birthing pains are getting closer and more intense. And the closer and more intense they are, the more you need some encouragement. The more you need some assistance. The more you need some joy. The more you need somebody to cheer you on. So Pharaoh said, when you do the duties of a midwife, I want you to kill now what he does is he, 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 he wants to change their purpose. Take them from midwives to murderers. That's why you got to be careful about everybody trying to come into your life. Because you got to figure out real quick. Are you a midwife? Oh, y'all ain't saying that. No, I'm going to come over here. Are you a midwife or are you a murderer? Are you here to help me or are you here to hurt me? Are you here to help me produce or are you here to kill what I'm working on? I need to know, I need to know, I need to know. Have you been in cahoots with Pharaoh or are you here on assignment from God? Because Pharaoh used somebody on the inside. He, used, he tried to use plants. Oh, y'all didn't catch that. He had Hebrew midwives with Hebrew women, which means the devil will send folk who look just like you. <laughs> you think everybody for you just because they look like you. Uh, just because they look like you don't mean they for you. You better find out real fast. Are you a midwife or are you a murderer? Because I can't let you kill my baby. I can't let you kill my dream. I can't let you kill my hopes. I can't let you dash my dreams. I can't let you steal my business. I can't let you crush my ideas. And you know murderers when they tell you everything wrong with what you want to do. They'll say, baby, you know, you know, we ain't never done nothing like that before. 
It's the first time for everything, honey. <laughs> Baby and I and I and our family, we've 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 never owned our own house in our own family. Uh, uh, baby, you know, ain't nobody in our family ever going to college, and baby, you know, ain't, ain't nobody in our family ever 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 owned no business, and ain't, ain't nobody in our family ever, ain't no, ain't no shut up. Shut up. Because I'm real close, I can't I can't afford to have no murderous spirit around me. I need I need midwives. I need. I need midwives. Somebody holler, I need midwives in my life. Midwives are cheerleaders. He wanted to go, them to go from cheering, cheering to, to cursing and destroying. Midwives deliver babies. He wanted them to go from deliverers to destroyers. That's the agenda of Pharaoh. And listen, let me, let me just go and add this to you. Pharaoh, all through scripture and Egypt, represent Satan and his kingdom. All through scripture, Pharaoh and Egypt represent Satan and his kingdom. The world kingdom. So that system always tries to oppress people of God. I don't care what color. I ain't talking color. I ain't talking color. The devil always tries to, tries to oppress people of God from the outside. But if he can't get you from the outside, he'll sneak somebody on the inside. False prophets, false teachers, angels of darkness transforming themselves to angels of light. Wolves in sheep's clothing. To try to crush you from the inside. The dude is a midwife. But watch this. Watch this. This is how he tries to do. He tries to compromise. He says, only the boys. I, I, I don't want you to kill them all. I, I, just, I just want you to kill the boys. He, 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 he's figuring they're too stupid to realize that the boys are the source of the seed. <laughs> so this is the devil, his approach even in, in our nation. Only the boys. This is what, watch this, watch this, don't, 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 don't take this wrong. This is, this is what gives rise to feminism. And lesbianism. I said, this is what gives rise to feminism, which leads to lesbianism. Because we don't need the men. And when folk going on talking about girl power, girl power, girl power, girl, girl, girl power, girl power, women power, women power, women power. The more you talk to that, the more you're saying we don't need men. But baby, let me tell you something. There's things men can do for you that a woman can't do in all the things. That There are things that God designed men to do in a society, in a culture that God did not design women to do. So I don't care what devil, what lie the devil tells you, this nation, this city, this community cannot make it without men. But what they do is they say, don't worry about the men. Just keep on taking care of the girls and, and help the girls. The boys, just, just let, let, let the boys smoke weed and let the boys play games and let the boys just focus on sports. And they don't have to be literate. It don't matter that they can't read. Just keep promoting them. It don't matter if they, if they, they can't multiply. Just keep promoting them because we're not worried about the boys. But the devil knows that if you don't take care of the boys, 
it leads the boys to incarceration or death. And if you incarcerate all the boys or they die, then you're left with girls, women who try to, who can't defend their own. And can't reproduce. So he cuts off the production of a people. Now remember, I'm not talking race. I'm talking about the kingdom of God. That's why in the church, the most predominant population in the church today is women. Because the devil tricks men into thinking they got to work so hard. No, I got to go hustle. I got to go grind. That's how we're going to make it. God said, son, you ain't got to grind. You my son. You're my son. I'll take care of you just like I take care of the girls. But if he can get the men focused on the world and not focused on the kingdom, then the men stop producing anything kingdom. Y'all sit down. Let me, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me. Let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. Let's finish here. Exodus, Exodus 1, 17. I'm skipping a lot. Verse 17. But the midwives feared God. The helpers feared God. The co-laborers, the fellow workers fear God and because I fear God I will never participate in your doom because I fear God I will never take part in your destruction because I, will, I fear God I will never participate in you not being able to bring forth what God put in your life I'm, I'm a midwife not a murderer. Hallelujah. I don't want to kill what God put in you. I want to help you bring forth what God put in you. Why? I fear God. You can't offer me enough money. Watch this. They fear God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them but save the male children alive. Verse 18, so the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, why have you done this thing and save the male children alive? Now listen, 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 listen. It, it's easy to reverence or fear God when there's no consequences. It's easy to tout, no, I, I serve God when there's no, there's no consequence. When there's no threat of you losing your job. No threat of you being canceled by the culture. No threat of you being put out of your family reunion. But will you still fear God when your life is threatened? Because for these Hebrew women to disobey the king, the Pharaoh, it could cost them their very lives. But if you will fear reverence God, God will always take care of you. There are some times and there are some situations that call for civil disobedience. Y'all listen. There are
are some times when it is better to disobey government and disobey leaders than to disobey God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were under command to bow down to the king's image. And they said, we ain't going to bow down to your image. Throw us in the fire if you have to. And what happened? The king threw them in the fire. But God. Somebody holler real loud. But God. If you obey God, God will deliver you. Their friend Daniel was commanded to not pray to God for 30 days. But the Bible says Daniel opened his window and prayed out loud to God every single day, three times a day. And the king, by the king's decree, he was thrown into the lion's den. And the lions should have eaten them all up. But God, if you will obey God, God will take care of you. If you will obey God, no matter what it looks like, God will take care. Peter and John were commanded by the high priest. Don't preach anymore in the name of Jesus. But they kept on preaching Jesus. And they threw them into prison. But the Bible says that an angel came and opened the prison doors and walked them out of the prison and saved their lives because God will always take care of you. Let's, let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. I'm preaching too hard for y'all. Verse 19. Because he wants to know, why have you done this? And the midwife said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, you're not like the others. <laughs> you're not like the rest of them. You're not like, <laughs> there's something on you. These Hebrew women, they're, they're covenant women. Now, now I, I got I to gotta show you this. This, this word, the, the, the phrase Hebrew women, can I, can I give you this last little thing here? Oh, Jesus. The Hebrew women, the phrase Hebrew women comes from the Hebrew word Ibri, Ibri, I-B-R-I, which means one from beyond. So that means, that, and, this, and this same word, Ibri, is often used for Hebrew men. See, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get you out of gender today. Because, because if you look and only think women, then men, you leave yourselves out. But he said, they said the Hebrew women, the Ibri, are not like the Egyptian women. The ones from beyond, I'm waiting for y'all to catch me. The ones from beyond are not like the ones from here. Who am I talking to here? I said the ones from beyond are not like the ones who are from here. We are in this world, but we're not of this world, which means you and I have something different about us, something different on us, something different working for us. And they said the Hebrew women, the Hebrew are not like the ones that are from here. I'm not like the rest of these folk. I got something working on me. And watch, 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 watch what they said. They said, they said, they said, they said, they said, they said, for they are lively and 
give birth or produce or manifest before the midwives come to them. Now, they weren't lying. God, because they honored God, God began to accelerate the production of the women. And he made what was a painful and difficult situation, a, 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 a long situation. He made it quick and easy. What we're seeing is that when the midwives honor God, when you and I make a decision, this is revelation for somebody right now, when you and I as the body of Christ make a decision to uphold each other and to help each other, God's going to begin to accelerate our manifestation. This is for y'all back in the back because they ain't listening. This is just for y'all back in the back. As we begin to help each other and as we begin to minister to each other and as we begin to work together, God's going to begin to accelerate our manifestation. It ain't going to take you nine years. It ain't going to take you 25 years. It ain't going to take you 10 months. What God speaks in your life when your time comes is going to come quick and it's going to come easy. Tell your neighbor, it's going to be quick and easy. It's been a long, hard road, but when is my time? It's going to be quick and it's going to be easy. Can somebody give God a shout for quick and easy? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They said, these women, they're lively. Now, if you got a decent Bible, there's a little note at the bottom. It says, lively means have vigor of life, bear quickly and easily. So God wants us, he's going to accelerate us. So we start bearing quickly and easily. Quickly means acceleration. Easily means no toil. Quickly means acceleration. Somebody say acceleration. Are you ready for God to accelerate you? Oh, you ain't going to take as long as your cousin takes. It ain't going to take as long for you as it takes for your neighbor next door. Because there's something on you called the blessing. The blessing of the Lord, it makes rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. That word sorrow means painful toil. That means that from now on when you produce, it's going to be quick it's going to be easy, no pain, no toil. While the midwives are coming, you're going to say, praise God, it's coming. The baby's here, it's here, it's here. The midwives are still coming, but God's going to say, no, it's coming. It's time, it's time, it's time. Oh, God. Well, all you got to do is get in the birthing position. And while they're still coming. God's going to cause you to produce what he has for you. Let's wrap it up. Here we go. Therefore, 20, 20, therefore, God dealt well with the midwives. God took care of the midwives and the people multiplied and grew very mighty. And so it was, here it is, I'm done. You can grab your purse if you're ready to go. And so it was because the midwives feared God that he provided households 
for them. So notice what we what is apparent that before they did this, they had no households. What is a household, Pastor? They had no house. It meant they didn't have their own children. Pretty girls had it going on. Now we know they must have been married. Because that's how God works. But they had no children. But when they feared God, when they disobeyed the devil, when they obeyed God, God said, I'm going to bless you because you were a blessing to somebody else. I'm going to take care of you because you took care of somebody else. I'm going to minister to you because you minister to somebody else. I'm going to help you because you help somebody else. I'm going to cause you to produce because you help somebody else to produce. And God gave them their own children. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. I, I, I got, I'm going to close here. Here's the question. Here's the test. Here's the question. Here's the test. Can God use you to help someone else manifest something you've not yet manifested yourself? Uh, uh, I don't know. You, you, some of y'all look like you're going to fail the test. I'm looking for somebody who might, fail, who might answer and, and, and pass this test. Can God use you? Uh, it's about six of y'all. Can God use you to help somebody else manifest something you've never manifested yourself? This is why I'm going all the way back to not being lovers of yourself. Going all the way back to making sure you have natural affection. Because if you don't love anybody but yourself, and if you don't have natural affection, you'll never give yourself to help anybody else produce what you've not yet produced for yourself. You'll be so jealous of somebody else that you won't help anybody, but you'll talk about them. You won't help anybody. You'll put them down. You won't help anybody. You'll get in their way. <laughs> Remind me of a song. This old song, Ella Baker. It said, if you can't help me, please don't stop me. Move out of my way. Please don't block me. I got a race to run. And I'm running by faith at the finishing line. I'm going to see God's face. Now what they said is, if you, can't, if you ain't going to help me, get out of my way. If you're not going to help me, don't block me. Because you ain't got yours yet. I learned a long time ago to rejoice with them that rejoice. Because if you celebrating God blessing you, it tells me he's in the neighborhood. I dare you to tell your neighbor, God's in the neighborhood. He's in your neighborhood. He's in your neighborhood. Pretty soon he's coming down your street. Pretty soon he's going to hit your address. So praise God for somebody else. Rejoice with them that rejoice. Help somebody else bring forth what God has for you. If 
You may not have your car yet. Help somebody get that car. You may not have your business off the ground yet. Help somebody get that business. You may not have manifested your vision yet, but help them manifest theirs because when it turns all around, whatever a man sows, help me out, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So if I sow my seed into helping you, guess what's going to happen? I'm done. Stand on your feet. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews 6. Verse 10. Hebrews 6 and verse 10. I need you to hear me very carefully today. I'm talking to all midwives and mothers. If you're a murderer, I'm not talking to you. If you're a killer, I'm not talking to you. Listen, can I talk to all the parents in here? When I say mother, I'm including both parents. You're a mother. But the moment you become a mother, you also become a midwife. Because you have the assignment of helping your children bring forth what's in them. You know how to bring forth. That's why sometimes, you, you, you know, the young ladies, they have babies, they, they need to listen to their mama. Their mama has some sense. Their mama been through this before. Or some mama... Some mama knows how to get them babies quiet. And some mama knows how to, how to get them to sleep through the night. See, because although your mother, now that you are a mother, you are now a midwife. To help the next generation bring forth what's in them. But even if you've never become a, mid, a mother yet, meaning you've never produced your own thing yet, start, these women, Shifra and Pua, began as midwives. God turned them into mothers. Because Hebrews 6.10 says this, For God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you have ministered, you've helped, assisted the saints, and do minister. You're still ministering. You're still helping people. And let me tell you something. Let's, let's be honest. One of the most challenging things to do is to help others when you don't yet see yours. Am I right about it? Can I give you one more scripture? Because this applies to that. In Luke 16, 12, media, I know I'm all out of sorts here. Jesus said this in Luke 16, 12. If you've not been faithful, and what is another man's, who will give you 
what is your own. Here's the principle. Here's the principle. Listen, you ready? Are you ready? If you are faithful in someone else's, God will give you your own. Catch that? If you are faithful in someone else's. So while you believe in God for a house, you find somebody who's also believing God. Who's bringing one forth. I'm going to help you. Let me help you organize. Let me help you unpack. Let me help you do something. Let me sow my seed of service into your life. working your job all these years you're you tired of it had enough and you want to launch your own business but you don't have the means or the time or the mind or the finance to start it yet find somebody else who's already doing that and you just let, let me let me help you I just want to help you anything I can help you just to kind of organize and just make sure you're you're off the ground what are you doing you, it, it's, it's, it's called midwifery midwifery that's the word midwifery it's you helping somebody else to bring forth as you help them bring forth, God is watching. He's observing. Oh, okay. Well, I'm going to bring your turn. You got next. I'm going to bring some folk to come alongside you. Father, thank you today for your word what we have heard and received today. I know that, Father, in this place, there are so many, so many dreams and visions, prophetic words, so many desires that you've planted in our hearts. Businesses, careers, major moves, things that you've called us to do. That God... We, the closer we get, the more difficult things seem to become. We take that as a, a, a note, an indicator that our time is nigh us. Thank you for those that you are sending into our lives as midwives to help us bring forth what you've given us. But we also ask you to help us to recognize those opportunities that we have to be the midwives, the helpers for someone else's vision, someone else's miracle, someone else's manifestation. God, we will do that diligently and faithfully, knowing and trusting the Father that when it's our time, You'll bring acceleration and ease into our manifestation. I speak and I decree that over this house now, all those that are here, all those that are watching, that God, we step into that season of acceleration, that season of easy productivity, that what the devil has sought to stop, what the devil has sought to destroy, that before he can even have a chance to destroy it, it's already up and off the ground. That before the devil can, can even catch his breath, 
were already walking in that, that new manifestation. That before the devil can even get any of his agents to us, we're already walking in that miracle, walking in that blessing, launched out of that business, launched out of that career, already back in school, already in that house, already driving that car, already have that baby, already have that new spouse, already have that new thing you have for us. I speak and I decree over this house. Acceleration. About to lift those hands over this room, lift those hands. I decree in your life today acceleration of manifestation. I decree acceleration of manifestation. Ease of bringing forth. Your word said, Father Paul said it. Peter said it rather that that woman, that that woman who fears you, she shall be saved in childbirth. That God, that woman, that person who fears you, that God, you'll make bringing forth easy. So we decree and declare right now that because we fear you, we'll begin to bring forth, that we'll begin to be fruitful and be and multiply in ease and in great acceleration. I thank you, Father, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Even every tongue that rises against us in judgment, we'll condemn it. We'll walk place you have for us to walk in. We thank you for it. We give you the praise today and all the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Put those hands together. Give God a praise.